Hi, everyone. It's Lindsay. I just wanted to let you all know that we recorded this latest episode on March 19th, which was last week. Since then, Governor Evers has ordered a safer at home policy to be followed. So while we talk about having limited office hours um, in the podcast, we will not be having office hours until it is deemed safe. We want people to stay home and stay well. If you need us, please always call us. There will be people here because we will be live streaming just about every day. So we need people here to do that. No more than 10, of course. Um, So just be safe and be healthy. And here's the actual start of our show. Hello, welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. I'm Lindsay here with Father Howard. And on today's episode, we will be talking about church in the time of coronavirus. So let's get started. I wanted to jump in there a little bit uh, faster than maybe I should have. But before everybody turns it off because you've heard the word coronavirus again, uh, we're, we're not going to spend the entire time uh, just talking about coronavirus. You've heard plenty of information and there are so many facts and so much coming at us that uh, I do want to speak uh, to the issue a little bit uh, because it is important and it certainly has an effect on our lives uh, on a daily basis. And, and it seems to be changing. Uh, but we also need to uh, bring this in the context of faith. It would be, I think, irresponsible for us as a church if, if we did not somehow bring this in to a faith context and saying, look, we're, we're not just facing this on our own, but that we have, uh, that, that we have our faith that, that speaks to us about this. And we have our faith that really, literally, I was reflecting a bit on the readings of this uh, Sunday of the fourth Sunday of Lent. And although we won't be having uh, celebrating the Eucharist with a congregation, is that the readings in many ways still speak to us of of surprises, of healing, of God's mysterious ways of, of, of working within our culture, society, in the world, that uh, at times, you know, folks can feel that somehow God has abandoned us or God is not in the midst of this all when I believe that God is in very much in the midst of it. So just to, to speak to the issue of the fact that obviously the coronavirus has has uh, changed the way we are church right now. And Absolutely. It's it's amazing. I, I don't think anything could have prepared this uh, could have prepared us for this. It's it's when I was reflecting on this a little bit that in my 30 almost 37 years of priesthood, I have never experienced anything like this. And so we don't have a, a framework in many ways out of which to work. Uh, anything that was so god-awful, you know, such as the Black Plague, obviously no one is alive that, that had to deal with that. True. Uh, and so for our modern-day society, we don't have a framework in some ways to deal with this. I have never, ever experienced it where, where the Archbishop has simply suspended the saying of Mass. I have never experienced where we, where we have canceled everything, even the meetings, as much as I dislike meetings. You know, it's like, but... They're like bugs. They're always there. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) you always got meetings. Oh, man. Stomp on that one. (laughs) And so I think part of it is that we're trying to, we're really trying to 
create a new framework out of, out of which to function, to function as church, to function as a staff, to function as just as a society. And so it's, um, and, and even, well, I, then the other things I was thinking about, you know, with, with the anxiety that is out there, and there is plenty of anxiety out there, is that part of it for me was the information is is coming at us so fast. Oh my gosh, it's ridiculous. Even if it's not different information, it's almost as if it's like they when they would talk about the the fire nados, you know that that the fire is creating its own atmospheric conditions. And and I was thinking that that at times the information is coming at us so fast, it's almost creating its own sense of panic. Mm-hmm. As opposed to being able to to step back a bit and just take a deep breath and and digest what we just heard. And and we hardly have time to do that, which is one reason why I suggest people to people that turn off the radio for a while, turn off your, your phone for a while, turn off your TV for a while, if just for a while, <laughs> because we are hearing in many times it's the same message time and time and time again. It's creating a sense of panic. And it's interesting how um, there's an old adage that says, you know, how does a person eat an elephant? One bite at a time. We can't swallow it whole. <laughs> and when <No>. I, <laughs> I think about this is that the information, again, is creating such a, a large elephant that we don't have time to, or we're not taking time to take a bite in order to digest some of what was just said in order to create that framework that we need. And so it's, um, I think that's, that's an important piece uh, that, you know, or you might say someone to hit the pause button for a while. Just hit the pause button for a while, even for an hour, <laughs> um, even for, you know, uh, a couple of hours and, and listen so as not to just being, you know, having more and more shoved in our mouths or in our brains to where we, our brain wants to explode. And so it's, it's that sense of take a, pause, take a moment to pause and then we can take a bite and then we take another bite and then we take another bite, you know, just one step at a time yeah. as opposed to trying to do it all at once. Yeah. So, um, so okay, so we can't come to church because right. all masses have been suspended. So what's a good way to still get church? Like, you know what I mean? Use your faith, have faith, keep your faith. Well, I think that, you know, it's interesting that when uh, the catechism and, and canon law they tell us that if a person, there are legitimate reasons why, you know, you, a person may not be able to go to church. Now, this is outside of, of, of the coronavirus. Um, there are legitimate reasons, health. All but that is things. a legitimate reason. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And the church does not tell us, run out and find communion as fast as you can or wherever you can. The church asks of us, and it says, prefer, preferably with a group of people, a small community, sit down with the readings of the day or the readings of the Sunday. So, so for this weekend, it suggests to us, 
take the readings of the Sunday. You can find them virtually any place, online or whatever. USCCB.org is a good place to find the weekend readings. <laughs> Very good. Mm-hmm. And it's the fourth Sunday of Lent. Yes. Take the readings and prefer, the preference is to gather with a small group of people. Well, I should say it will be the, the middle because this will come out next week. Oh, okay. But daily. But daily is that take time, spend some time with the readings, and recognize that as you do that, you are doing so with a whole community around the world that is somehow gathering around those readings. It is, it's, there is a real sense of that even though we are na- not able to attend Eucharist, which by the way, sometimes we have to also step back a bit when it comes to, you know, oh my gosh, what happens if we can't attend Mass? And this in no way takes away from the importance of Mass. But there are a whole lot of people around the world that cannot attend, you know, weekly Mass. Mm -hmm. That for them, if they celebrate the Eucharist or the Mass once a month, they're lucky. There are many places in the world that they can celebrate it, you know, a couple of times a year. They are lucky. So one, we have to... We have to step back a little bit and presume that our American experience is the experience of the whole world. It's not. It's simply not. And we have to put it in a perspective that in many ways we are in many ways united with our brothers and sisters around the world that simply are not able to experience Eucharist for lots of different reasons. But what they do is, or I wanted to say what they do do is... They gather around the scriptures and unite with their brothers and sisters around the word of God. And that can bring a tremendous sense of unity, a tremendous sense of of God's presence, a tremendous sense that, that we are in this all together. It's not just us. It's, we're in this all together. This happens to be, obviously, a pandemic that, that certainly unites us in lots of different ways. But sometimes it's, it's, it's recognizing that these kinds of things, and please don't misunderstand me, I am not saying this is a good thing by any stretch of the imagination, but these moments at times can unite us with our brothers and sisters around the world that are part of us as a church, that experience this on a regular basis. The the lack of being able to celebrate Eucharist. Um, I was in a, uh, a, a country in 1984. I, I was, had an opportunity to go to another country where where celebrating Eucharist was was against the law. It was it was a, it was in um, a country that that primarily uh, is is Islamic. And again, this is not anything against anyone. That was the reality. And so I had an opportunity to to take the place of a priest that was going on vacation. And because of a connection that I had, I had an opportunity to, to go and serve the Catholic population in that country uh, for a little over a month. It was an incredible experience to be able to worship with people where worship was sporadic or it was sometimes very sporadic. And I, and I remember I remember one thing in specifically, that it was a Wednesday morning mass at eight o'clock in the morning. Um, I left where I was living at about five o'clock in the morning because it was a three hour drive just to get there. Wow. And I remember 
a number of people telling me that they left at two o'clock that morning in a, a small caravan of families across godforsaken desert in order to get to the one mass that they could get to that month. Holy cow. Now, when I put that into perspective, when I came back home, the big issue in the parish was whether we should cut from six to five masses on a weekend. Oh, man. And people were so upset because, God forbid, that, that we might have to cut back on the mass because there simply weren't the pe- people weren't yeah. attending. And so it's, it's, sometimes it helps us to put these things in perspective. And, and so it's, it, was a, it was an opportunity for me just to share a little bit with folks, you know, um, at that time in, in, the, in the 80s, that we have to keep some of these in perspective, some of these things that are happening. And I think today, too, is that we have to keep this in a, in a, in a healthy perspective. And when we do, it can help to lower the anxiety level, I believe, and it can help us to be a little more creative in how we are church, in how we connect with church. Uh, so certainly, spending time with the Word of God, and, and again, you can find that, as you said, on the website of, of the Bishop's website, you can find the daily readings, Sunday readings. It's a way to be able to use technology. I mean, part of what we're looking at uh, in the parish here, Lindsay, as you are well aware, because mm-hmm. you're part of this, <laughs> is that how do we possibly use live streaming uh, in order to stay connected with people, in order that they can see folks that they're familiar with, can see the building, can see mm-hmm. uh, the church itself, can see people that they, that they work with. Uh, I think sometimes we can be creative. Not that somehow this should you know, take the place of, but that it helps to ally the anxiety levels. It helps folks to realize we haven't forgotten about them, mm-hmm. that, that we still care, that we still, you know, want to help them, you know, grow spiritually. And so, uh, as, as you're well aware, we're looking at some of those possibilities and how we do that. Yeah, the church, though the building, like we can't come to church, the wider church is not closed. Correct. You know, That's correct. we're still around. And it's like, you know, we come to the folks, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so technology can really um, make a huge difference in that regard. I, I think that there's, there's other ways that we, we still are church, that we, we don't just toss in the towel and saying, well, you know, I suppose I'll think about God, you know, when, when, we, have, when we have to go back to church, as opposed to uh, looking at what are the other types of prayer that people may seriously you know, consider, whether it, it be something that is familiar to many as the rosary might be. Maybe people start to pick up that Bible that has a little dust on the cover and they haven't really looked at for a while. Or maybe even more as to, you know, to, to order a Bible and, and, and maybe have one in the house for the first time. To be able to, in many ways for families, to start to create some of those family rituals to remember, you know, that um, prayer is important. And it may be something as simple as a little one saying, you know, um, God bless our church and God bless grandma and and God bless mom and dad and my brothers and sisters and God bless the gerbil. And you're never quite sure who's more important, (laughs) the gerbil or the family members. But that's, that's the innocence of children. 
Uh, so, but families start to build some of those rituals because they can't be here. And, and when you think about it, any number of these rituals, when you begin to look at, grew out of an experience where people weren't able to mm -hmm. get to church or weren't, were not able to, to celebrate Eucharist. And so rituals begin to develop in any number of ways. Um, you look at the origins of the rosary, and in many ways, the 150 beads were, were closely related in historically with the 150 psalms, you know. But folks couldn't read that anymore, or they didn't remember that. But at least they could bring it to mind, and it, it helped them to connect. Uh, you think of the rituals and the prayers that came out of, of, of a terrible time in our history during the First and Second World War. You know, some of the prayers that, that we oftentimes are familiar with grew out of that whole time because people needed to gather. They needed to gather. And so you look at some of these rituals like, you know, to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, to, you know, um, Our Lady of Testahoa, to you know, all of these kinds of things. So many of these grew out of a need that people had. And so, you know, any number of those people we call saints and, and such helped those things to grow over time in order to help meet that need of people not experiencing the Eucharist, maybe not even being able to receive the Eucharist, um, rituals that grew out of the fact that maybe there were no priests at all around. Mm -hmm. And so these are our, our opportunities where we don't just throw in the towel, but I think that we would be able to be a little more creative. Yeah, and creative and try harder. Yeah. I think in some ways, yes. Yeah. Uh, so that we don't allow this time or the experience that we go through, that we don't allow this to somehow give the impression that, you know, evil has somehow conquered it all. It has not. Mm -hmm. It has not. I think about, for example, even with the, with the scriptures of, of the fourth Sunday of, of uh, Lent, is that these scriptures uh, speak of one God working mysteriously among the people, uh, things that would have shocked the people. For example, uh, the first reading deals with the fact that that the prophet anoints David, the youngest, the runt of the of the family, and not the oldest. And and you could just you can when you read that scripture, you can just imagine you know the the older brothers or the people around saying but we've never done it that way before it's supposed to be the oldest one not the youngest what's wrong with this picture and yet through what i am sure many would have perceived as an aberration god is able to bring you know the king david you know to the forefront you look at the the man born blind. Um, and then we think, wow, well, I would love to be able to be cured. Well, first of all, that's because we are able to see, many of us are able to see. I can't imagine what it would be like being born blind, that you would never have a sense of image, you know, mm -hmm. a visual image or color. Um, so so this, this man was cured, and, and while the disciples, you know, are looking for easy answers as to who sinned, Jesus is saying, having none of that, I should say, and he does indeed cure, but it's not all roses and, and bunny rabbits, is that 
having been healed, it obviously throws his life into chaos. And you wonder if at some point he didn't even say at some point to, well, I should have just stayed blind. It certainly would have avoided a hassle with his parents, with the community, and with the church leadership of that day and age. Is that, and the thing of it was, neither David nor the man born blind asked for it. <laughs> you know, yeah. they got something they didn't ask for, and yet, ultimately, they did embrace it. David, as a consequence, becomes great in the Davidic line and Jesus and, and, and all of that. And the man born blind has to go through a lot, too. But it seems that there was, again, a whole sense of faith that grew in him. The mysterious ways of God. I really believe, again, not that I would ever say that the coronavirus is a good. I believe, though, if we open our eyes, we see the hand of God working in lots of different ways. Maybe taking care of one another. Maybe being more sensitive, you know, of, of how much we need each other when we talk about social distancing. Nobody ever heard of that term just a short time ago. And yet, how much we as human beings yearn for, for human touch connection. and connection. Yeah. You know, of how automatic I find myself in a number of times. How automatic it is to reach out a hand to, for a handshake. How automatic it is just to go and to touch someone on the shoulder to get their attention. And, and you have to stop and say, stop a bit and think, wow, do I want to do that? <laughs> you know, or what yeah. will their response be? It, it just... It, it, it makes it, you think. It, it really does. But yet it also helps me to appreciate how much I miss doing that automatically. Mm -hmm. And so maybe maybe that is a takeaway that we gain out of this. And and once things begin to pass and and once things once we discover a new normal, and I suspect in some ways we will discover a new normal. This is this is pretty dramatic what we're going through right now. Once we discover that, we will think about what it was like before, you know, and, and we do that all the time. Uh, if you've ever gone, done any flying mm -hmm. before 9-11 and after 9-11. Very different. It very, and, and we tell stories, and, and, and younger folks who listen to us, you know, are aghast. They say, what do you mean you could just walk there? What do you, what do you mean you could just take whatever? Meet someone at the gate. Exactly. Yep. And, and they just can't they can't wrap their head around that. It sounds like so bizarre. Uh -huh. But those who had both have, have had both experiences, you know, we look at that and maybe maybe we grow in a new appreciation of some things these days. I certainly don't believe that, you know, as couple have folks that have spoken to me personally have suggested, well, maybe this is God's punishment. I don't believe that for a moment. I, I don't believe an all-loving God does that. Is God in the midst of all of this? No question at all. Absolutely. Absolutely. We just have to figure out how, and I think we have to open our eyes again, as the scriptures remind us time and time again, we have to open our eyes to the mysterious ways of God. And, uh, and as we do that, it helps to keep things in perspective. And calm. and Yes. Yeah. Can really make a huge, huge difference. And we want to make sure people know that even though we might have slightly shorter office hours the people right. the staff is still here 
So if you have problems or questions or issues, just give us a call. And and the other thing is that, you know, the sacraments still take place, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for anointing. Uh, we, you know, we have to, we have to switch things around a little bit, mm-hmm. but, but it's important for folks to know that we really are here to serve the needs of the, of the people, that that has not stopped. And, and even, you know, when you think about um, the fact that even though we are dealing with all of this, is that I believe the power and the grace of God is much, is much greater than any virus. Um, doesn't mean I'm going to be stupid. Doesn't mean I'm going to do foolish things. But it does mean is that we can't stop being kind and Christian to one another. We can't, we, we can't somehow stop watching out for one another. And, and when you think about also, you think about the history of our church, is that, you know, the church has gone through a lot in where people sacrificed a lot in order to make sure that, that the Word of God, you know, was, was brought to people. They, they faced martyrdom and disease, and they faced hardships and rejection and, and all sorts of things. Uh, it did not stop the Word of God. Nope. It does not. We're and still here, so exactly. clearly it did not stop. And coronavirus will not stop the Word of God either. No. And I think it's important for us to be reminded of that. Yeah, to be absolutely. So. so go out. Well, don't go out. Sorry. Enjoy each other's company. I know it can be crazy in a small yes. house with a bunch of people, but enjoy each other's company because you don't get this all the time. Um, help a neighbor if you can. Call a neighbor. Call a grandparent. Yeah. yeah older really. person. Write letters. Just make sure people are doing well. I mean that's uh, yes. that's being God too is yes. checking on your neighbors and 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 I think these are the kinds of things that draw out from us a lot of uh, wonderful creative ways to be that presence in ways that we simply had not thought of in a while or maybe we simply had not experienced in a while at all yeah um, so and, and reach out to us if you need us because abs- we're here absolutely absolutely so, we may not see you in a while but we will see you again. Amen. Until next time, have a good week.